Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. Today's episode, we are going to conduct a very brief thought experiment. I'm going to talk about what a thought experiment is, what's the purpose and philosophical thought, and then how we can apply it to this world of, of leadership, testing the maybe the difference between reality and the imagination or the creative world that we make up. Hope you enjoy this show. We're going to be traveling to the planet Gliese 486b today and talking leadership with another species, alien species that is. All right. Hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, friends, welcome back. Before we dive into this thought experiment and the uh, the idea of thought experiments in general, what they're used for, I got bit by a horse yesterday. You don't always get instant feedback in the world of, of leadership. Sometimes decisions you make, you won't understand the impact of those decisions or the impact of the relationships you make until days, months, even years down the road. But I can tell you in, in nature, nature has a way of providing very instantaneous feedback. And a horse did that for me yesterday. I'd never walked up before and just petted a horse on my own. My wife was in the general area and she has been in and around horses her entire life. Her family has. Her sister and her sister's husband have a, they own a veterinarian clinic, equine veterinarian clinic. So very, very horse, horse driven, a lot of horse knowledge that I don't have. So I saw this horse by the fence and it was, you know, 30 feet away and it was staring at me. So I thought I'd go up and pet it. Didn't know that you shouldn't stick your fingers in a horse's mouth because they'll probably think it's your fingers are a carrot, some food source. So I did that. The horse was sucking on my hand. I thought it was cute. And then I just extended my thumb out hoping the horse would suck on my thumb. Yeah, she bit it. It hurt. I still have the thumb, luckily. But a very quick, heuristic, hands-on experience, life's greatest teacher experience. So anyways, that's my horse story for this Monday. If you're listening, it is Monday for me. So didn't wake up in the morning thinking I was going to get bit by a horse, but lo and behold, a couple hours after I woke up, I got bit by a goddamn horse. So here we are, talking leadosophy now, thought experiments. I'm reading a, a paragraph from one of my favorite websites, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. So what is a, what is a thought experiment? And at what purpose would it serve in leadership or deepening our understanding of leadership? Well, on the website, Stanford's website, they write, thought experiments are basically devices of the imagination. They are employed for various purposes, such as entertainment, education, conceptual analysis, exploration, hypothesizing, theory selection, theory implementation, etc. 
Some applications are more controversial than others. Few would object to thought experiments that serve to illustrate complex states of affairs or those that are used in educational contexts. The situation is different, however, with respect to the appropriation of imagined scenarios to investigate reality, very broadly conceived to include things like electrons, tables, rain, beliefs, morals, people, numbers, universes, and even divine beings. It is this use of thought experiments that attracts most of the attention inside and outside of philosophical discourse. Significant is the overlap here with many other central philosophical topics, such as the nature of the imagination, the importance of understanding and contrast to explanation, the role of intuition in human cognition, and the relationship between fiction and truth. So today's thought experiment is simple, and is, it is an imagined scenario to investigate the reality of leadership. I don't know if there's any relation between the imaginary scenario that I came up with and the reality of leading others, selecting leaders. But I created this scenario as a way for me to quickly come up with some ideas that I thought were foundational to leadership. What were some principles that I thought You know, if you had to go to another planet and kind of present leadership in a very short, concise manner, and you only were able to give them so much information, what would you focus on? And this is something you can think of now, wherever you're listening or watching. If you had to go talk about leadership to an alien species, and obviously we're assuming they can understand our language, whatever, you got to get past some of the, this is a thought experiment. It's, it's creative. It's imaginary. So there's going to be like any crazy action movie. There's going to be things where you're watching or, or listening and be like, Oh, that's, that could never happen. Thought experiments are going to have aspects of that where you're like, this is super far fetched. That's why it's a thought experiment and not reality. We're investigating the nature between reality and the thought experiment. What things can we pull from this? What things can we learn from our thought experiment that may potentially be applied to reality, our reality here on earth, the real, not the imaginary? So the thought experiment I came up with is your goal or our mission, we'll just say it's your mission. Your mission is to deliver a handwritten message to an alien species that provides five lines of leadership code. We'll call it kind of like five lines of wisdom. So you're tasked to travel 26 light years away to a newly discovered planet. The name of the planet is Galice 486b. And this is a real planet. It was discovered by astrologists, astronomists, it's, I'll have a link. I'll actually have a link to the, uh, to the website where I pulled this information from. It was kind of a quick way for me to learn something new and outside of our atmosphere. But Gliese 486b is a super earth with a mass 2.8 times that of our home planet. It's 30% bigger than earth. And it has a gravitational pull that is 70% stronger than what we experience on our own world. So take away the fact that we can't 
we could never live there. It's impossible for the human species to live there. I think the gravitational pull would rip our skin off probably. I don't know that to be a fact. I know the, the temperature of this planet is, it's almost hot enough to where the entire planet is made of lava, but it's not. It's a lot of rock, lava, lava rivers. But it meets certain, it meets certain criteria for astronomers to dub it like a super planet. So if you had to deliver five lines of wisdom code to this alien species, assuming there's an alien species living on Gliese 486b, what would be your five lines of code? You could only tell them five things, five sentences, five lines. What would you talk about? What would you want to introduce to them? Let's assume that their knowledge of leadership is rudimentary and they are in the process of maybe selecting leaders, trying to identify who they can be, what traits they're looking for, or just what are the concepts of leadership in general. So again, when I was coming up with this thought experiment, I wanted to keep it down. I wanted to narrow it down to five words of wisdom or five lines of code because it challenged me to intuitively kind of think about what was important to me. So this thought experiment is written through my lens, the movie playing in my mind about my understanding of leadership. So if anyone else took upon this, this thought experiment upon themselves to, to try to develop five lines of code, their five lines of code would most likely look very different. And I think that's okay because they have different experiences. You have different leadership experiences than I do. You probably have different followership experiences. So again, your five lines of code will look probably very different, but there might be some overlap of concepts. So as we're trying to investigate this, this, this difference or relationship between the creative imaginary world and the reality of leadership, if you develop your five lines of code and I develop my five lines of code, would we have any overlap? maybe not one-to-one overlap in the exact sentences we write, but just general concepts that we might pull or a common theme between your five lines and my five lines of code that we're going to deliver to this alien species. That's where I think leadership gets interesting in a shared understanding, right? Again, I've talked about many times that there's no consensus on a universal definition of leadership. So how can we go talk about leadership to another alien species when we don't even have a definition of it? Or it varies from person to person, from culture to culture, plant or uh, continent to continent. So what are Leadosophy's five lines of code? Line number one, and again, I'm hand-delivering this, this message. This is from Leadosophy. On Earth, leading is not a popularity contest, and it is rather difficult, if not impossible, to please everyone at once and you will go mad trying to please everyone. That was my first line of code, and intuitively, I don't really know why I typed that. I didn't want to erase it, but that's the first thing that came to mind when I started developing my five sentences or my five code lines. Why was that the first thing that came to mind? I don't know. I have no idea. I know leading can be very tough in the aspect of trying to make everybody happy. 
I think a lot of us have that desire to, to have others look upon us favorably, whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life. So maybe it's this, this idea in our professional life that we want people to like us. And if they don't like things that we're doing, it bothers us. We have this cognitive tension. So maybe that's kind of why. Maybe it's the ego. I don't really know. But that's, that's line number one. Code number two, humans are emotional creatures. And if your species is similar, then your leader should try and understand and tend to the emotional well-being of those being led. So with this line of code, I understand we're rational beings as well, but I think a lot of times we discount how emotional we are as humans. You know, we often, you always hear like, you know, you got to be logical. You got to take the emotion out of your decision-making. And that's well and good, but I don't know if that's always possible. There's always going to be residual emotions with nearly everything we do, every decision we make, every action we take, the byproducts of those actions. It's hard to remove the emotional aspect from what we do, what we decide, and how we lead. And multiply that by the amount of people that are in the workplace around you or in the leadership scenario or the team around you. It's a, it's a team or a group or a organization full of different emotions. And they ebb and flood back and forth between positive, negative, whatever it might be. Code line number three. Humans are intrinsically motivated, meaning we can motivate ourselves, especially when we discover some purpose or meeting in a task or job or activity. I am a big fan. This is definitely through my lens because I am a big fan of this idea of intrinsic motivation and tapping into that in leadership scenarios. Not my intrinsic motivation, not trying to get everybody on board with what intrinsically motivates me as a leader, but what motivates you? What is your purpose? How can I tap into that to improve the team? Whether I'm empowering you to to, to do X or Y, to make decisions, to pursue some sort of side goal that you can pursue while simultaneously achieving the goal of the team. All of us have some sort of purpose or can be driven intrinsically. We don't need external motivators all the time, whether it be money or whatever it might be. So intrinsic motivation is is kind of the theme of, of line three of that code. Code line number four, we might predict that human leaders will perform well or will be effective if they can lead a group of very different individuals in the direction of a unified goal or purpose. And I think line code number four might be the closest to some of the definitions of leadership that you see, you know, getting a group of people to achieve a common goal. So maybe that's why I had line four in there intuitively, why I put that in there. But isn't that a lot about what leadership is? Whether your team is small or the team is large, trying to find some sort of shared purpose, pursuing some shared vision, shared objectives. Again, whatever type of organization you may be in. 
So that was line code number four. And then this last one is almost a cautionary line. You know, I imagine the big orange triangle with the exclamation point in it. Caution, maybe a warning sign, warning code. And it reads, avoid selecting leaders who need, require, and love power, control, and prestige. And that's a big one for me. Power, if you need power, I feel like a lot of your decisions, your actions will be taken from that source of of needing power. And I think that can lead down the road of a very autocratic leadership style. And again, this may work in some scenarios. I'm not saying that doesn't always work. But I think when it flows from that need, you need the power because the way it makes you feel, I don't know how, how much good can come from that, especially when it comes to positively affecting others around you within your sphere of influence. And this is really a shout out to uh, the reluctant leaders out there. I think some some of the greatest leaders I've seen, and again, imposing my own definition of, of great leaders, it's the, the humble leaders who are reluctant to serve, maybe in a leadership capacity. They don't like the limelight of leadership, but because they have a certain skill set that comes together in a certain time. And this could be organically coming. You know, maybe it's not someone who was actually selected and placed in a position of formal leadership. Maybe it was just organically happened. Some of the some of the great leaders I've been around, mentors I've been around, were kind of in that mold. So those are my five lines of of leadership code in this thought experiment. I would be curious to to see or to hear what your five lines might look like. Today we talked about thought experiments. There's a lot of philosophical thought experiments out there, really some really famous ones. If you're super bored and you run out of run out of room on Google to to look up information, Google some thought experiments. If you're sleepy and want to, you know, you're having trouble sleeping, maybe read some philosophical thought experiments. So that's all I have today. Wasn't a long episode, but hopefully it deepened our understanding of leadership. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. I think we deepened our understanding of leadership maybe just a little bit today. Trying to investigate that gap between imagination, creative imagination and and reality and, and leadership. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.